Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, I'd like to talk to you about um, the Jewish holiday of the holiday of Hanukkah. Uh, it's difficult for me sometimes to switch from the Hebrew chet and the English uh, age. Anyway, um, today is the we light the first candle out of eight for uh, our uh, national holiday of Hanukkah, and. Um, so happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. Um, we usually, I usually avoid speaking on this show about uh, religious topics and uh, and and so on. Um, but Hanukkah is a little different. Uh, it's not uh, per se a religious holiday. For example, there is no prohibition on work during Hanukkah. Uh, it's more of a commemorative holiday of uh, a historical event. Uh, similar perhaps to the modern Israel uh, Day of Independence, which is in May. So, uh, and Hanukkah actually has, uh, I, th- I believe, significant uh, relevance uh, to the world we're living in today, and especially to the United States of America, of America actually, as well as, to, of course, to Israel. So, um, you know, the, the children's story of Hanukkah is that uh, the good guys, i.e., the Maccabeans, the Jews, won the bad guys, i.e. the Seleucid Greeks, uh, the inheritors of um, Alexander the Great of Macedonia, lost. The temple was uh, re-consecrated and the one-day supply of uh, ritually pure oil for the menorah <clears throat> lasted um, eight days and it was a Hanukkah miracle. That's the kind of the summary of the children's story. And so, of course, being Jews, we love to eat a lot, uh, gr- a lot of greasy foods. So because of that whole whole oil connotation, we fry these um, uh, donuts, uh, sufganiyot and uh, latkes, potato, um, those potato cakes all in deep uh, oil, deep frying, <laughs> deep frying everything. And, and um you know, it's a, it's a, it's a happy holiday, um, but certainly one that is not too kind on your uh, calorie intake. But there is a um, uh, a real historical significance to the holiday is quite diff- uh, quite different. Um, what happened was that uh, in uh, around uh, in the in the second century uh, BC, so around the year um, uh, one hundred sixty-five um, uh, BC. Uh, Jews were at one of the kind of our the low points in our history. Uh, Judea was uh, a tiny little um, country, if you could call it that, really a tiny little province in the Seleucid Empire, which is which was a, an empire run out of uh, what today is Syria and encompassing much of today's Turkey um, and parts of uh, Iraq and so on, and it was uh, one of the two. Uh, this kind of um, two parts of the Alexander the Great's empire, uh, Seleucid was the northern part, and Ptolemaic, which was substantially Egypt, was the southern part. So Jews were kind of cornered in a small part of their ancestral homeland uh, in and around Jerusalem and the hills of Judea. There were very few Jews uh, left, and 
and this is even uh, worse. Uh, this was a, a, perhaps the first period of globalization in the world. Uh, the influence of um, Alexander the Great, a Greek-speaking um, <clears throat> general, uh, started um, pulling all of the Eastern Mediterranean basin and beyond into this uh, kind of global culture as, um, centered around the Greek language, which was the kind of the English uh, of that day, the lingua franca, as they say, of that day, and the Greek culture. So the Greek pantheon of, of, of their various gods, like Zeus and Athena and so on, and Greek mythology, but also Greek popular culture. So theaters and plays played in amphi amphitheaters, uh, the, the, the style of architecture that Greeks employed, um, the, the style of clothes that they wore, and, and so on. And that culture was um, powerful, and uh, perhaps you could say it was in some ways similar to the American pop culture because it was very appealing to a lot of young people. Uh, you got to go to the gym a lot and uh, work on your muscles and get, as they would say today, perhaps ripped and uh, put oil on your body and glisten in the sun and showcase your newly uh, acquired six-pack. And um, the sexual mores were far more permissive than they used to be in, in those Middle Eastern countries, including in Judea. And so it was a culture that, uh, uh, if, if perhaps not all uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, was certainly the... Uh, classical uh, antiquity equivalent of it. Um, and and uh, so the Jews uh, felt threatened not only by uh, being politically kind of conquer, conquered and not having a political independence, but also there were many Jews who began to assimilate and adopt that globalist Greek culture. So they left, the, perhaps as we would say today, the reservation of somewhat austere life in the Judean hills, praying to our one God and uh, uh, keeping the commandments of the Torah and descended into the uh, lowlands where today is most people in Israel live, like the area around Tel Aviv and so on, where a lot of the Greek settlements were and uh, started mingling within, with their culture. They, the Hebrew, the, the spoken Hebrew already began uh, its, its decline, but even Aramaic, which was replacing it, uh, was being pushed aside in favor of Greek, and so on. And um, <clears throat> so the, the Hanukkah story is a story of a substantially reaction by nationalist forces against these globalist tendencies. And uh, the war that the uh, Maccabeans, uh, so um, um, Matityahu, uh, the father of that family, who was a, a, a priest, a high priest, a Kohen, and uh, his uh, most famous son, Yehuda, Judah, uh, these people uh, fought a war substantially on two fronts. They, they fought a war against the Seleucid generals that were sent to keep them politically subdued, but they also, that, so in that sense, it was a war of 
liberation, a war against occupation, but they also fought a civil war because many of their fellow Jews did not want to fight the Greeks, they wanted to join the Greeks, in fact they wanted to be Greek. And um, so, so in, in a very true sense of, uh, of, of, of the word, uh, the Maccabean Wars uh, were wars against globalism. These were nationalist, it was a nationalist uprising against a globalist um, regime or against a globalist ideology that was kind of pushed down or enforced on Judea uh, from uh, the Seleucid uh, Empire. Um, and kind of how the world was being arranged back then. And um, it, uh, the, the Maccabean Wars was, were, were a nationalist reaction against it. But uh, it's important to remember that the only reason that uh, this uprising partially succeeded, and we'll talk later about why it's important to remember that it succeeded only partially, uh, it partially succeeded and was not crushed immediately for, I guess, two main reasons. One was the military br brilliance of, uh, of Judah, of Judah HaMaccabee. Judah Maccabeus, I guess, or however you want to say it in English or Greek. Anyway, the guy was uh, unquestionably a very charismatic uh, leader who um, uh, innovated many guerrilla tactics, but, but also kind of um, combined guerrilla tactics, the tactics of actual uh, full-scale warfare that he copied from the Greeks. So he employed his military both as a kind of um, uh, a, a bands of insurgents, uh, ambushing Greek columns moving through the steep canyons of Judea, but also as an organized, well-disciplined military force that could give uh, the Greek, uh, the Greek military, around for its money under the right circumstances, and that was the point. He always chose battles in which uh, the element of surprise or something else um, gave him the upper hand. For example, there's a famous battle in which a very large force of the Seleucid Greeks was camped out on the way to Jerusalem from the coastal plain, and um, they sent out a, a scouting party, a large scouting party of uh, 5,000, the whole force, they say. Uh, the historian Josephus Flavius, Yosef uh, ben Matutiao, says that the, the, the total size of the force was on the order of 70,000. Well, they sent out a, a kind of a scouting, uh, they did a reconnaissance in force, as we would uh, maybe call it today, with 5,000 uh, soldiers. And what Yehuda did, uh, he... He left his camp because that force was supposed to kind of discover their camp and maybe attack it if the opportunity arose. He left his camp but left the fires burning. So when that force discovered the camp at night, they thought that the Jews had uh, run away. And so they attacked the camp, which was empty, started ransacking it, at which point Ju uh, Judah attacked them, annihilated them. And... 
then uh, continued to attack the main Greek camp, which was sure that uh, their scouting party, they mistook the, the Jews for the scouting party returning. And so they were caught by surprise and annihilated. So uh, Judah was innovative in those types of tactics, and that was one reason that he had some uh, considerable successes. But the other reason was that the Seleucid Empire was already historically uh, on its way down. Uh, both it and the Ptolemaic uh, 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 Empire in, in Egypt, of which Cleopatra was the last ruler, and uh, not, not very much later than this story, about 150, after, uh, 150 years after this story, was Cleopatra's lifetime or so. Um, and she was the last Ptolemaic ruler. Anyway, the Middle East... Uh, the Macedonian empires of the Middle East were on their way out and the Roman Empire was on its way in, but at that point in time it wasn't there yet. At uh, in the year 165 BC, Rome was still busy occupying and conquering its own Italian peninsula, substantially, and perhaps parts of... Um, uh, northern Greece, which was what called today, but it certainly had no footprint farther east as of yet. So it was a kind of a, a time in which one great empire, the, the, the Seleucid Empire, was on its way out, and the next great, great globalist empire, Rome, was not yet there to pick up uh, where the Seleucid have left off. So there was a, a certain vacuum which enabled the, uh, the Jews to kind of reassert their sovereignty. And um, interestingly enough, and perhaps uh, unfortunately for us, the Jews, but also it completely shaped the world, so it's hard to say what would have been if this hadn't happened, but... Uh, the Jewish independent polity in Judea that was established by uh, the Hasmoneans, the Hasmonaim, only lasted for about 220 years or so. Um, and the Hasmonean success, but they, they occupied Jerusalem, but it was a partial success, or I should say liberated Jerusalem from those Greeks, except for one building, one castle in which the uh, the Greek forces held out for uh, a few decades after the temple was rededicated and so on. So the Hasmoneans had a kind of a spectacular yet fairly limited success that was only made possible by the historical brilliance of their leader and by the historical decline of their enemy and the kind of resulting power vacuum in their region. Uh, when Rome came to uh, assert itself as the main power in the region, just around the uh, time of the birth of Christ, and maybe a few, uh, a couple of decades earlier, Judea again fell into being first a protectorate of Rome, and later st straight out occupied by Rome, a Rome province, and of course, after a couple of uh, faithful and unsuccessful rebellions, uh, Judea fell, and Jews substantially went into a nearly 2,000-year 
exile. Now, you know, you could ask yourself uh, if, if if Judah uh, Maccabeus, if Judah Maccabee was, you know, more brilliant than let's say Shimon Bar Kochva, the, the the leader of the uh, second revolt of the revolt of uh, 150 A.D. The the answer is not necessarily. But the big difference, because uh, Bar Kochva also had some very important victories against the Roman legions, but the difference was that the Seleucid Empire was very close to its kind of collapse for other reasons when uh, Judah was active against it, whereas Rome was at its absolute peak of power when in 70 AD and later in 150 AD, Jews arose against it. So fighting against Rome at that time period was uh, most definitely a suicide mission and it was uh, impossible to contemplate that Rome would allow a province, uh, a Roman province to become independent. Had the Jews rebelled more like around the year 300 AD or 350 AD when Rome, at least Western Rome, was already subject to repeated successful assaults by uh, the Gothic uh, Germanic barbarians, things could have been very, very different. So we will continue in the next segment with this discussion. Stay tuned. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back to the show, my friends. So we were talking about Hanukkah and how um, the Maccabees, the, the, the Jews, traditional Jews from a priestly family, were able to wrestle control of tiny little Judea from the Seleucid uh, Empire, primarily because that empire in the year 160-165 BC was already historically on its way out. When the Jews attempted the same thing against the Romans at the height of their power, twice in the year 70 AD and 150 AD, they uh, spectacularly lost, even though they fought as, va- as valiantly as uh, Judah did, and as a result of that lost their temple, uh, the second temple, uh, their language, their country, and uh, went into uh, o- almost 2,000 years of exile. Interestingly enough, if you, uh, as we forward this history to the creation of the State of Israel, the modern State of Israel in 1948, uh, we see that uh, the, the creation of Israel, uh, the modern Israel, the modern independent Jewish polity, after the last one 
collapsed uh, nearly uh, 2,000 years earlier, was also enabled by a certain power vacuum. In other words, uh, the creation of the State of Israel was uh, enabled by uh, the uh, power vacuum left when the British Empire collapsed uh, as a result of the Second World War, and the American Empire has not yet fully asserted control over the Middle Eastern uh, region. So in the 1940s, uh, Israel, Jews in Israel, who, who were very few in number, um, uh, just about 600,000, could, with great leadership, with pragmatism, with um, a large degree of ruthlessness, and with a large degree of national cohesiveness and national pride, they could show the British the way out because the British were substantially defeated in Second World War. People don't realize it, but Germany made mincemeat out of England and would have definitely conquered it had it not spent its uh, power uh, with the uh, uh, inevitably uh, lost, lost war on the Eastern Front against Russia. Conquering Russia was not really possible, yet Hitler decided that he was going to spend most of his... Um, uh, you know, power and energy over there, and of course had the United States not intervened on the British behalf. Britain, uh, left to its own devices, stood no chance at all against uh, Germany, Churchill or no Churchill. So England was substantially defeated. It was depleted. It was the, 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 it's, uh, it was, uh, the southern part of the country was destroyed by German bombardments, um, and it substantially lost its empire, uh, and uh, reverted to being just a small island nation of very little to no importance on the world stage. So substantially it went to being what it was before Henry VIII in the uh, you know, late 1500s. So it lost close to 500 years of imperial development. Uh, that was, that's really how bad the, Brit the British were beat uh, or beaten in uh, the Second World War. Uh, there is nothing for the British really to be proud of there, except maybe how they uh, managed to win the war in the air against Germany and keep their uh, kind of national spirit intact. But uh, had, the, had the Germans landed on, on English shores, it would have been a rout. Anyway, uh, the British were on their way out. America has not yet arrived, and Israel kind of wiggled its way into existence. And for the first uh, couple decades, it was very perilous existence indeed, because the United States was not really friendly to Israel until Israel proved its worth in the 1967 Six-Day War, war and, and had proven itself to be a, a great ally to America in the burgeoning and heating up Cold War against the Soviets. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Soviets uh, cast their die with the Arabs, which was a big mistake. And the uh, Americans cast their die with the Jews, which was the right thing to do. And the rest is history. But uh, what does this all tell us about uh, the current situation, the current political situation in America today? Well, there's a couple of important things. One is that... Um, 
it's very fi- it's very difficult sorry to fight against globalism when it's on the ascendancy and when it's um, in its most powerful form. So that's one. And two uh, is that wars are won and if you know, and and won in a way that leaves a generational multi-generational impact like the, 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 the victory that the Jews had over the Seleucids when practical, pragmatic um, methodologies, methods are applied. And uh, what I'm seeing today in America is that the people who are on the side of American nationalism are failing to understand historical processes, where globalism is right now. That's one. Two, they're leaderless. And three, there is very little pragmatism in their approach to the fight against globalism. And as a result of that, um, I have a very hard time believing that American nationalist forces are going to prevail uh, against uh, against the globalist forces. Um, now, you know, if you if if, uh, if you look at uh, Jewish history, for example, you understand and you and you get to accept that defeats are much more commonplace than victories. Winning is rare. Losing is commonplace. Now, Americans in their short history, you know, Jews have a documented history of over 3,000 years. America has a documented history of 244 years. In this very short history, America has uh, suffered its share of defeats. However, it has, for whatever reason, uh, a self-image of winning. And that self-image is simply wrong. America, um, in the past, uh, since Second World War, has been beaten soundly in uh, both of its engagements against against powerful enemies. One in North Korea, when uh, as uh, it could not withstand uh, China's entering uh, the war and had to give up its gains in North Korea and give up its dream of unifying Korea under the South Korean kind of leadership or the kind of more capitalistic mo- model that that was a defeat uh, that America suffered. Uh, and then uh, 20 years later or so, it suffered a major defeat in Vietnam where it couldn't even defe- uh, defend South Vietnam, defend, depend, sorry, defend its client state of South Vietnam. Since then, America fought uh, wars in the Middle East uh, which were partially successful against very weak enemies, but now America is uh, uh, leaving Afghanistan substantially defeated, and this is how history is going to record it, because Afghanistan is going to revert to what it was before ni- before 9-11 and before America intervened there. Now, I'm not saying that America should not leave Afghanistan, because it's Afghanistan is notoriously a country that cannot really be changed, altered, re-engineered, or even uh, occupied for any length of time, so America had no business business even trying. Nevertheless, it's not a military success. 
so America has had its share of de defeats, but uh, especially in in the in the seventy years after Second World War, but it has this Americans have this uh, image of being exceedingly powerful and rarely defeated. This is not a true self-image. Um, so defeats are commonplace, victories are rare. That's one thing. Second is, uh, the second thing is that globalism now is at its uh, perhaps most powerful since, uh, since it's ever been. I mean, globalism is nothing really new. The, the, as I mentioned, the Greek uh, kind of empire of Alexander the Great was substantially a globalist empire, its successor, um, the uh, uh, the Roman Empire was a globalist empire. Then uh, even the Spaniards established a sort of globalist empire in South America in the in the South American continent. Um, the Brits uh, certainly their empire was another attempt at globalism. Um, and now we have a kind of a Chinese-led, I would say, globalist attempt. And this Chinese-led globalism has many, many uh, adherents uh, and supporters in the United States, and we know this. Um, the American politicians like this guy Swalwell, who had this Chinese spy lover, whatever, American politicians uh, that we have today are pathetically cheap to buy or to seduce with cheap women or whatever. And there's several, um, um, several reasons for that. One is that most of them are idiots. Uh, second is that uh, they have no ideology. When you are not a patriot, you don't believe in anything, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in your own country, you don't believe in your own nation, you have zero uh, ideological content, your ideological cart is empty, uh, you become a very cheap uh, date for those who want to corrupt you. And that's true for most American elites from the academia, various professors, uh, to politicians, local, state, and federal, bureaucrats, and so on. So China has gone on a shopping spree and bought substantially all of them. Uh, and those it has not bought, it, uh, you know, are not worth buying. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese globalism or Chinese-led globalism is right now on the ascendancy. And fighting against it when it is, you know, on this kind of upwards trajectory uh, is exceedingly tricky and requires leadership that far exceeds the abilities of uh, President Donald Trump. And that has been proven in this election, which he allowed to be stolen from him uh, and took no measures to, to, to defend before the election, which was the only time that it could have been defended. Now, um, there is a certain naivete which I find exceedingly sad and, and, and I regret it among many Americans, perhaps many of my listeners, who somehow believe in an America that does not exist anymore. It's a residual image of how America perhaps used to be, but it has long since not been like that. And so... These, um, uh, these Americans are kind of holding out hope that the Supreme Court is going to do anything. And it's, it's, you know, and, it, and it's a ridiculous hope because the Supreme Court is not going to do uh, anything at all. 
there is no chance that the Supreme Court is going to take um, to listen to a petition of uh, several states, 18 to, to date, or even if it's more than that, and interfere in the affairs of other states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and so on, and uh, this and declare that uh, this election has to go into some absolutely unprecedented and uncharted waters of going to the Congress or all of these types of situations. This is just, this is, this is what I call living in a dream world. It has zero to do with reality. The reality is that the American elites, all of them, are completely corrupted, bought by China 100%. Like I said, those that have not been bought are not worth buying. And they're acting on uh, the side of the Chinese-led globalists. They care nothing about America as a nation. And, that, and, and they do illegal things like stuff ballot boxes or you know, change algorithms in, in voting machines or you name it. Uh, they do it. And, uh, and that's it. And the Supreme Court is not going to fix it. And the Supreme Court is not going to fix it because... A, it's not its job to fix it, and B, it has no power to fix it. Uh, The Supreme Court is just nine guys who have uh, no power. They have no guns, they have no weapons, and uh, they historically uh, made decisions that were uh, substantially, uh, certainly in the last decades, they made decisions that destroyed America. They agreed that gay marriages were a constitutional rights, that transgenders were a protected class, that uh, abortion was a right that could not be denied to Americans no matter what state they lived in. In other words, uh, the Supreme Court has been has played a uniquely negative role in America's descent from a constitutional republic to a um, kind of majority mob rule, um, elitist, meritocracy, progressive, globalist entity that, is, that it is today. The Supreme Court did not uh, do anything to slow that transition, to slow down that transition, and in fact it did everything to speed it along. So if you look at this just from a kind of a factual perspective, what you see is that um, sacrificing upon the altar of the Supreme Court is a, is a spectacularly ridiculous idea because the Supreme Court is not on our side. And I don't care who the justices are, it's just not. Okay, on the margins, you know, when it comes to baking cakes, uh, you know, for gay couples or you name it, small things, sure, they'll throw us a bone here and there. But on the, on the big things, not a chance. So, you know, we have to accept reality here. And not accepting reality is a very, very bad idea. Not accepting reality is exceedingly dangerous. Because when you don't see reality as it is, there is no way that you can take the actions that are necessary to protect yourself, to protect your family, and even to thrive in this new reality that's coming. If you believe that somehow things are going to change and you believe it against all available evidence, 
then that means that you are living in a dream world, that you're naive, and that you're not taking the necessary actions to defend yourself and your family. And again, to, to, to thrive in this new world that's already here. It's not coming, it's here. So perhaps in the next segment, we'll, we'll talk uh, more about what kind of actions those can be and what kind of world is, is coming. But uh, I just want to kind of round uh, this uh, segment uh, off by saying that what we can learn from the Jews' very long, long and mostly sad history is that victories come from pragmatism and looking at reality straight in the face and not from naivete and wishful thinking. Stay tuned and we'll resume after the break. My fellow Americans, our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the show, my friends. So we ended the last segment by um, me telling you some inconvenient truths, uh, to quote that idiot Al Gore. And uh, the truth is that uh, Biden, Kamala, China, globalists, you name it, will be in charge of America, not only kind of how they are in charge of it now, which is substantially, but also uh, completely, because uh, Biden is a laughable character, will be inaugurated as president, and uh, the bunch of uh, globalist um, um, treasonous um, morons that he's been appointing to his uh, cabinet will indeed take those cabinet positions. I don't know what will happen in the runoff in Georgia, but I suspect that both Republican candidates... um, uh, Leffler and uh, Purdue will lose, and I suspect that Mitch McConnell will um, lose his uh, Senate majority leadership position. Not that it really matters, honestly. So uh, I don't, I, I don't think it will matter one bit. Um, America is uh, a prime asset in the China-led globalist world order that is now firmly upon us. This order has um, few opponents. Uh, Those opponents will be allowed to survive as long as they can defend themselves and as long as they can somehow keep it together. Um, And as long as perhaps they have something valuable to offer to the globalists. So, for example, Israel as long as it keeps it together and the Jews don't start fighting each other like they often do, 
has nuclear weapons with which to defend itself, allegedly. Uh, but perhaps more importantly, it has <clears throat> um, vast technological know-how, uh, R&D and manufacturing uh, base, which is absolutely necessary and, and needed for the globalists. So, uh, and Israel knows how to wield that power. Uh, Israel has very good relations actually with China, with India, and Israeli genius in terms of uh, R&D and also actual hardware is in everything from Chinese anti-ship rockets to Chinese jets to uh, you know everybody's smartphone and so on. So there is a strong leverage that Israel has there as long as it can keep its uh, you know its stuff together. Uh, other countries uh, who are kind of anti-globalist, I suspect, may be crushed. I'm talking about Poland, Hungary, those types of countries. Uh, but when it comes to America, what you will see happening after January 20th, uh, you know, just a month from now, is that everything that American nationalists, uh, if you want to call it MAGA people, dreaded will come to, pa will come to pass, plus, plus. So take your worst case scenario and at least square it. And that's what will happen. There will be a frontal assault on every so-called right that you believe that you had. There will be a frontal assault on, your, on, on gun rights. That will, that will be probably first. On your free speech rights, even though those are pretty much non-existent as, the, as, as they are right now, but... People will be deplatformed um, rapidly. Um, uh, if 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 there's a uh, places like Parler or Gab, they will be wiped out. Um, there will be uh, the globalists because they're China-led and the Chinese understand how to wield power ruthlessly. There will be a totally unprecedented in American history, ruthless assault on a certain group of population in America, substantially the American working to lower middle classes who still somehow hold this idea that they have some God or, or, or are holding fast or believe or are believing in this idea that they have some God-given rights and that the court system will somehow, including the Supreme Court, will somehow uh, step up and defend those rights. This is not going to happen. Those rights you think you had or have are gone. They're gone. And uh, like I said, the Supreme Court may here and there overturn some government regulation, whatever, but uh, one in a hundred may be overturned and then even that will not mean anything. Most of them will survive. Most of them will affect your lives. And um, it'll just be what it is. Uh, so uh, student debt will be forgiven. Okay. Um, that may be good for those who have it, but those who don't have it and never took it will just have to grin and bear it because that's what's going to happen. All student debt will be forgiven. Um, you know... A national healthcare system will be nationalized. So it won't be Obamacare, it will be Obamacare on steroids, uh, 
private health insurance health insurance in America will be uh, gone within the next two years. So America will very rapidly, very rapidly, much more quickly than you can imagine, move towards being um, substantially governed like the rest of the West is now, Canada, Western Europe, Israel, you name it. It will be a place where, uh, which has high taxation. I believe that there will be a federal sales tax, um, at least 5%. Uh, high prices on gasoline, there will be a carbon tax for sure. Uh, American uh, energy producing um, sector, you know, oil and gas sector will be uh, suppressed, decimated. Uh, America will start paying uh, gasoline prices that are more, that are closer to Canadian than to what it is now in America. In other words, uh, instead of um, $2 a gallon or so, it will be closer to 4 um, if not five. And that's just what's going to happen. And there's not going to be any stopping it or any changing it anytime soon. Okay, so um, how can you thrive in this new world that's coming? Now, of course, you can just pretend that it's not coming. That's fine. It's not going to end well for you. But If you choose to open your eyes, if you choose to be free, even in the face of those trying to enslave you, there are certain things you can do. And by the way, choosing to be free is the opposite of choosing to live in a dream world. I think the Matrix movie trilogy actually illustrates that point quite well. You can choose to live in this simulation, not believing that Reality is quite different, but that's not freedom, right? That's, in fact, the epitome of slavery. Or you can choose to open your eyes and understand that reality is bad. I mean, reality, if you are an American nationalist, if you believe in God-given rights and in the Constitution, well, reality is that you are on the losing side. Of history right now and choosing to be free is very much an act of understanding the practical pragmatic reality that is right now upon us so if you choose to be free if you choose to look reality in the face unflinchingly well then there are certain things you can do uh, and they're really not so different from you know, these steps to success in, in a globalist world are not so different from what it takes to succeed in, you know, the other world uh, that we used to have, that America used to have, but then you have to do them more. So make sure that you have a strong family. Make sure that you have a strong... Having a strong family and a strong community is always good, but it is an absolute necessity in a globalist, totalitarian, progressive regime like America is now becoming. Because there is nowhere else to look for help. There is no nobody else who is on your side but your close family and your community. So that's one thing. 
Another thing is learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're going to, if, if, if you have a corporate job, that's great. If you're going to open your mouth and say all kinds of things, you're going to lose it. So learn to have an inner life. That's what people in the Soviet Union did. Like, you know, I was born there, so I know. That's what people in China do. Learn to learn. In other words, learn to have an inner life and an outer life. You could say learn to have a true life and a fake life and build an impenetrable wall between these two lives. In your fake life, you are a good corporate soldier, a believer in progressive values, you're woke, you know, you're BLM, you're gay marriage, you're transgender, whatever they say, whatever they say, whatever they say. But of course you don't internalize it because you know it's all lies. So you have an internal life, a life of your family or community in which you tell the truth carefully. Turn, you know, maybe go to your basement where Alexa cannot hear or something. I mean, become skilled, because what will, what you know what happens in uh, societies that already are functioning in this globalist, uh, progressive manner, let's say like Canada, Israel, Western Europe. Well, what happens there is those who are, everybody pays for education, for higher education. For example, in Europe, it's completely free, but in every place in the West, it's about. 10 times cheaper than in America because it's subsidized sorry, by the taxpayer. So in other words, people who are less educated are, being, are paying for people to be more educated. And that's coming to America because student debt will be wiped out. And I believe that uh, they will start subsidizing education in American universities starting maybe with uh, state uh, universities and um, community colleges to the point where tuition will become close to zero and using, of course, taxpayer money to do that. So since other people are paying for you to get educated, get educated, you or your children. Take advantage of that because you'll pay for it whether you want to or not. Okay. So if you don't go and get that engineering degree, Somebody, somebody, you will be paying for somebody else to get that engineering degree. You follow what I'm saying? So why not have your kid go and get it and, uh, instead of paying for some, somebody else's kid go and get it? Eh? And those professional classes, engineers, lawyers, doctors, lawyers, doctors, those are the classes that will thrive in the new globalist America. The rest will be, uh, will not fare well will not fare well. You need hard skills. And by hard skills, I substantially mean math. Study anything that has to do with mathematics. Believe me, that's what math is your ticket to success in this globalist quote-unquote paradise that's coming to America. Just like math is the ticket to success in China or in, in, in today's Russia and the Soviet Union, everywhere. STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, mathematics. 
everybody will pay for those those who are studying it will be will be subsidized by everybody else why not be on the side that receives the subsidy rather the one that pays it okay um you know it's just something it's it's difficult to accept but you're not going to have what what today is called rights the government will tell you what you what is what your rights are or are not and you can rage against it all you want but it's not going to avail any you know i've been you know if you go on twitter you see a lot of people oh you know americans have you know trillions of guns and bajillions of rounds of ammo and all well the the any of it's true it's true americans have god knows how many weapons of any of every possible description and god knows how much ammunition some people not few have dozens of guns and thousands of rounds of ammo in their homes right and i love guns and i have ammo but did any of that do any good against the globalist takeover of america not in the least not a single round was fired I'm not calling for any violence, God forbid, but I'm telling you. Not a single round was fired and not a single round will be fired in the defense of the American Constitution and the American traditional way of life, which is substantially gone and all that remains is the red seal to be attached to that Constitution annulling document and that will happen on January 20th, when Biden is inaugurated. Now, I could be wrong, and maybe, God forbid, there will be a real civil war in America, or maybe Supreme Court will decide something, I don't know. But the chances of me being wrong, as I sit here today, and I'm looking at this, are close to zero. So what I want to tell you, my friends, is fighting battles that have little chance of success can be historically tragic. When the Jews in Judea uh, in, in, in the first, second century AD, just after the life of Christ, when they uh, decided that they were going to rebel against the biggest, most powerful empire that the, that the world has ever seen up to that date, it, at the height of its power, which they were, they were well aware of, they knew how powerful Rome was. But they decided to rebel against it not once, but twice. For all the good reasons, they believed that God was on their side and they couldn't lose because of that and whatnot. But it was a pitifully horrible decision, a tragic decision that led to the inevitable outcome of being annihilated and exiled. And Jews paid the price for that decision for nearly 2,000 years. So fighting lost battles is not a good idea. Closing your eyes to reality is not a good idea. Allowing various shysters, the like of Rudy Giuliani, who's trying to get his son Andrew into some position, or honestly even Trump right now. Believing in all kinds of mountebanks like that, that's a horrible idea. Don't give them money, don't believe what they say. It's not happening the way 
they're saying it would. We've come to the end of this episode. Stay strong, choose to be free, join me next time.